We have a few more weeks in our fall series as we've been journeying together through the book of Nehemiah before we get to Thanksgiving and Advent. And our, our passage this morning is almost really the, the second part of what we, we looked at last week. After a good amount of planning and, and work, Jerusalem's walls, they had been rebuilt, and the, and the people who had come back to the city, who had returned to the city, they were reforming and reclaiming their identity. Buildings and houses hadn't quite started to, be, to, to become something that were, were livable yet, but they were, they were getting there. It, it's safe to assume that that was what was next on the master plan. There was some pressure from, from other countries outside the walls of, of Jerusalem who saw the, the kind of resurgence of the city as a threat, and there were challenges from within as well. Last week we saw that the, the Israelites, they gathered together for a day of confession and a day of, of worship, and they commit to a way forward that is really shaped by God's grace. The leaders, they all, they all sign a, a commitment, a, a, a commitment, kind of a, a covenant renewal, a, a, an agreement of sorts. And then we're given a, a picture of how they're going to live into this, this renewed identity, how they're going to actually follow the law in a, a new day. So we read this. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, gatekeepers, musicians, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the neighboring people for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who were able to understand. All these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord, our, our Lord. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or take their daughters for our sons. When the neighboring people bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year, we will forego working the land and will cancel all debts. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a, of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God, for the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbath, as the new moon feasts and of the appointed festivals for the holy offerings, for sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites and the people have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring the house of our God at a set time each year, a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord, our God, as it is written in the law. We also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree. As it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle, of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all our trees and of our new wine and olive oil. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes. And the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God, to the storerooms of the treasury. 
The people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms, where the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priests, the gatekeepers and the musicians, are also kept. We will not neglect the house of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is, this is a whole lot here, but, but basically they're committing to how they are going to, to live with one another as they kind of rebuild their life together, how they are going to, to function with one another. Years ago, I, I read a book that was kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek book by an author who was of Jewish heritage that considers himself to be agnostic. He set out in writing this book to really poke fun at the Bible by, by trying to follow every single law as literally as possible, as literally as possible for an entire year while living in New York City. From the Ten Commandments to the more obscure laws about, about not shaving or not mixing the, 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 not mixing the, the fibers and the clothes that he wore. He, he tried to commit to them all. And, and this book, again, it's, it's tongue in cheek, but it's, it's, it's really about how it's impossible. How it's impossible to, to follow them all. And throughout the year, he interviewed different groups from, from the Amish to all kinds of others, to, to his uncle who had practiced about every other sort of faith imaginable. And he found that everyone, everyone, no matter if they consider themselves conservative or progressive or, or fundamentalist or, or not, that everyone, everyone picked and chooses. That they, they picked certain laws and they said, well, these are most important. Or, or they ignored other ones because they said, how am I supposed to decide if my, my clothes are made out of different types of fiber? Um, they picked and they chose. When the year concluded, he wasn't really ready to convert to any one practice of faith, any one tradition. But he did say that the experience, the experience transformed the way that he thought about faith. The way that he, he thought about it and how it changed his idea of how people who actually are devout in what they practice. What he practiced on a, on a daily basis, it shaped his own spirituality, a spirituality that he didn't really believe he, he held to. And how, it, how it, it, it dedicated how, or it talked about how he fit into the rest of the world. The same is true for us. What we do says a lot about what we believe. What we choose to practice says a lot about what we believe. So as Nehemiah and his people turn and return and begin to reestablish this identity, they recognize that they themselves have to make a commitment about what they're going to practice about how they are going to live with one another. And while their commitments are grounded in the practices of their ancestors, they also recognize that the way that they live out those laws looked different in that day than it did when Moses gave the law. They promised to obey God's law, including specific commands about marriage, about keeping the Sabbath, about supporting the temple. But it's not a carbon copy it's not a carbon copy of what their ancestors followed. In verse 35, for example, we read that the people committed to bring the fruit of not just their trees, 
But of every tree, of every tree, it was different. It went beyond what the requirements of the law were. The reality is the world in which Nehemiah and his contemporary lived looked drastically different from the world that that we read about in Exodus, where, where Moses delivers the law. It just looked different. And so while the Israelites committed to not work on the Sabbath, it would be completely unrealistic for them to expect their neighbors to do the same thing because now they, they were surrounded by other people and they didn't necessarily hold the same reliefs, the same beliefs. So, so they had to figure out how to live amongst them as well. They had to reinterpret or reform the law to fit the time in which they lived. And if they tried to follow the laws in the exact same way as their ancestors, they'd look as silly as A.J. Jacobs did trying to follow the laws in New York City in today's world. But that didn't mean that they threw everything out. It simply meant that the application of what they believed looked different. In the same way for us today, we are called to love God and to, to love neighbor in all that we do, to apply the biblical standards to our way of life. It's something that's foundational to what Christians believe it always has been, but it looks different today than it did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago when this church was planted. The world has changed. And while we're called to hold fast to the essentials of our faith, the truth is we have to adapt We have to adapt. And this part of Nehemiah, it reminds us of that reality. So at the beginning of our service, I mentioned that today is Reformation Sunday. And and in the simplest form, that is what the Reformation was and is about. It's a day we remember the continual attempt of God's people to live as God's covenant people, committed to the unchanging nature of Scripture while accepting the full Reliance on God's grace. But again, recognizing that it looked different in the way that we understood that scripture that we, we hold so, so important to us looks different. It's a great example of the journey of faith evolving from generation to generation. So tonight, if you have trick-or-treaters come into your house and you really want to make an impression with them, you can either hand out full-size candy bars Kids love that. Or, or, or maybe copies of this game. Pin the beard on the reformer. I'm sure all kinds of kids will want to sit down and hear the stories of John Huss, of William Tyndale, of Ulrich Zwingli, and of course Luther and Calvin and, and John Knox. If you're not too familiar with these guys or their beards, don't worry, you're, you're, you're not alone. But in a lot of ways, in the same way that, that, that Nehemiah and his people did what they did when they made their commitment after building Jerusalem's walls and reestablishing themselves as a community, that's what the reformers were working to do. Now, when we think about the Reformation, we often think of who? Martin Luther. We think of Martin Luther and we think of the, the one event where he, he nailed the 95 reeses to the wall. Come on, it's Halloween, I have to make those jokes. The 95 theses to to the wall of the church in Wittenberg. 
But the Reformation was a, a movement that involved all kinds of people. It, it developed over years and years and years. And really, it produced four, four significant traditions. It's Lutherans, of course, Anglicans, Anabaptists, and the Reformed faith, which Presbyterians fall under. It's more accurate to say that this was an ongoing journey of, of continual renewal than it was really just one event. It took time. And if we, we zoom out just a, a little bit further, it's the sort of journey that we see throughout the history of the church. One of my favorite sociologists and historians is a, a person named Phyllis Tickle. She actually passed away a few years ago, but before she passed away, she proposed that every 500 years or so, the church went through a, a massive shift, a massive shift in, uh, in authority and in who held authority and how the, the people of God understood uh, authority. And uh, she suggested that at the beginning of, of this century, even before COVID hit, that we were in the middle of one of those shifts, of, of, of one of those shifts going back 500 years before, uh, before today, which was the, the Reformation, 500 years before that was the Great Schism, 500 years before that was the monastic movement, 500 years before that was the birth of Christ. And if you go 500 years before the birth of Christ, guess where you get? Nehemiah. You get to Nehemiah. Tickle's work, she, she really started with Jesus, but 500 years before that, you had a people trying to figure out how do we fit? Who are we? What does it look like to be God's people in Jerusalem? And here, their people, they, they make a commitment to live as God's covenant people in a new day, in a, in a different sort of city that they had heard about, but hadn't really ever figured out what, what that, that looked like, recognizing that they, they fully were reliant on God's grace, which is the sum of what we talked about last week, where they, they kind of began with that place, that God's grace is sufficient. God's grace has always been sufficient throughout our history. And so let's make our covenant renewal around that reality. So my question for us this morning is, what sort of commitment or renewal do we need to make today? We, we could be us individually. We could be us collectively as a church. We could be us as, as the bigger church. What sort of renewal or commitment do we need to make today? Maybe there was a time in your life where, where something like, like morning devotions were very important to your faith. And for whatever reason, life's got busy, you have to be up earlier in the morning. For whatever reason, you struggle to wake up in the morning. Whatever reason, you've fallen away from practicing that. So, okay, what does that practice, those morning devotions, look like today? Maybe that's a commitment that you need to make. Maybe your household used to pray together, but you stopped, again, for whatever reason. And the time that you used to pray, you know what? It doesn't work because life is hectic. Okay, what does that look like today? Maybe we're used to functioning as a church here at WPC one way, and we need to adapt. We need to adapt to, to renew the way that we live out our identity because the world around us has changed. 
when we gather around the communion table as we will next week, whoever is, is standing behind the table typically quotes 1 Corinthians where Jesus says, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Which really means that in Christ, that new covenant, that we belong to God, it is a, a time-tested truth. It's foundational to what we claim to believe. But the way that we approach our faith, the way that we live it out in a, a day-to-day, in our day-to-day lives, looks different than it did when, when Jesus shared those words with the disciples. It looks different. Doesn't mean the words are any less powerful. Doesn't mean that, that we believe anything different. It just looks different the way that we live it out. We grow. We learn. We change. We commit. We fall short. We ask for forgiveness. We grow some more. And in the middle of it all, God's grace is with us. God remains constant. So on this Reformation Sunday, really on this Halloween Sunday, may we remember that truth. That we are called to adapt, to live out our faith in a way that makes sense in today's world. But God is constant. As we renew our commitment to an unchanging God in a world that continues to change. Let's pray. Loving God, help us to always remember that your grace is, is sufficient. Be with us as we learn and as we grow, as we, we seek to, to follow you, as we adapt to the, the many changes that are thrown our way. We pray these things in your name. Amen.